0: It's Jonah, a guy. He's a prophet from God. He's got a lot of Instagram followers. He's a pretty big deal in his little world. Uh, people are listening to him because he's hearing from God. God tells him or asks him to go to Nineveh to tell Nineveh. The Ninevites that hey, there's going to be some destruction that happens if they don't get their act together. Jonah says, I don't want to go to Nineveh. That's Nineveh's a bad place. I don't want to be there. I'm going to go the opposite direction. And so Jonah, who knows the voice of God, turned away from the voice of God. And he went on about a 60-mile hike in the opposite direction. That's a long walk, right? I don't know why I would have just done it and got out, but no, it's a long walk. And he got to a harbor in Joppa, and it says he got on a boat, and uh, he got on the sea, and then all of a sudden the boat started you know, rocking, and the waves started rolling, and people are like, oh, well, what's going on? And they're trying to get back to shore, and they can't. Finally, Jonah just says, you know, they're like, hey, something's got to be wrong here. And he goes, yeah, it's me. And um, so they said, well, but, dude, we're going to throw you overboard. And they did, and the, the, the water stopped. It's calmed down. And then now we have Jonah floating now into the depths of the sea, drowning, and um, it says a big fish came and swallowed him, and he was in the big fish for three days and, and three nights. and um, finally he says, "God, God, 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 I get it, I get it. I'll go do what you want me to do." And, um, and we'll be fine. So it says the, the fish spat him up onto the sh- up onto the shore, and now he's there, and now he's walking too, and we get into uh, chapter three. The things we've learned every week. If you haven't been with us, this is our take-home points, chapter 1. Um, just listen to the voice of God, and then we can eliminate chapter 2 and 3, right? Amen? This could have been a really short book. Um, <clears throat> could have been just boom, boom, we're done. No, he didn't listen to the voice of God. He started walking away. So when you find yourself walking away, turn around, okay? Turn around. It's repentance. It's turning towards what God would have you to do. So turn around. If you don't turn around, you'll find yourself usually at a harbor with a lot of options. Um, Just because you're at a harbor with a lot of options, we talked about, that doesn't mean it's the will of God for you to get on one of those boats. Okay, That's not a second option. God still has a plan for your life, and you're running from it. So don't get a ticket for the wrong boat, right? Or don't get on any boat that's not the right boat. But if you find yourself on a boat that you're not supposed to be in a direction you're not supposed to be going, and a lot of storm starts to happen in your life, if you find yourself in a situation, usually it's your, you find yourself angry, you find yourself upset, you find yourself in a relationship that's not it's not appropriate, it's not right, um, you need to do something. You need to find somebody. And what do you, who do you need to find? That's it's a trick question, so if you haven't been with us. Who do you need to find on the boat? I've been talking two weeks. Oh, here we go. I'm going to get my preach on now because none of you know it. Jonah! You need to find Jonah laying on the bottom of your boat. He's usually quiet, he's usually silent. It's that little thing that's hiding out there. It's usually that anger, that bitterness, that root of whatever. You've got to find Jonah. The waves in your life, the problems that are happening in your life, it's because of some decision you made. Okay? So yeah, listen to God, but find Jonah. Okay? I can't say it any more passionately. So next week when I ask, what's the fine? What do we find? You're all yell, Jonah. Okay? And you need to chuck Jonah overboard. You don't need to do what the guys do. Oh, maybe we can get to shore a little bit. Maybe we'll try to paddle. We'll try to like wait this thing out. Stop waiting it out. Get rid of it. Okay? That's why we have, like, we come to Jesus to get rid of those things in our lives, start chucking them overboard. Now, the problem is there's always a Jonah sleeping in our life. Okay? There's always something in there that's just kind of in the corner. That's why we have things like celebrate recovery on Friday night. So we come to church on Sunday to, to continually hear like, God, what do you have me do? Because I got to start chucking these things overboard so I can get on path to what you have me to do. All right. All right. We'll stop preaching now. Um, and then the next point was uh, we're in a water. He's floating in the water, right? But he's not floating in the water. Okay. If you find yourself in that in that predicament, you find yourself where you're just like, I'm. this is it. I'm dying. You're in a good spot. Okay. You're in a good spot. Why? If and only if you cry out to God. If you say, God, save me. I am in this just absolute wreck. I know I should have done what you said. I know I shouldn't have went on a 60-mile walk. I know I shouldn't have bought a ticket for the wrong boat. I know I shouldn't be. I know, I know, I know. Lord, forgive me. Save me. It says, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, the thing with salvation, the thing, as we talked about last, week, the thing with grace, it's super messy. Right? Who's gotten eaten up by an animal? Anybody? Lately? No, none of us have. But a big fish, we think it's torture. We think it's like something bad. No, it's the grace of God in your life to save you from your utter death. Okay? Embrace the fish. Chuck Jonah overboard. I know the analogy then doesn't transfer over to two seconds. But embrace the fish. Embrace the grace in your life. What does it say? The fish spat him up on the shore. He threw him up. I know it's gross, but there's only, again, two ways out of a fish. One you live, one you die. So deal with the throw up. Grace is messy in your life. I know the ladies talked a little bit about it yesterday even. Just like, It's just messy. And it never looks pretty to somebody else. But I'll tell you, if you got thrown up from a fish, you've been saved by God's grace, the throw up all over you is pretty beautiful, isn't it? Right? It's like, yeah, I know I stink. But that's my testimony. That's who I am. And God's cleaning me off. But for right now, I stink. And I we don't want to be around people that come out of these situations that are just like, we want to shake our finger at them and say, yeah, you shouldn't have been there. You got on the wrong boat. My no, we're like, oh, you stink. Let's get you cleaned up. But I love that grace smell in your life. It's the smell of grace. I just coined a new phrase. The smell of grace in your life is throw up. It's God doing something in your life. Embrace it. Okay, now we get to chapter three. And uh, you're there yet? I give you all that time to find Jonah in your Bible. You go in your YouVersion Bible app. Probably one of the coolest uh, verses in all of Jonah is chapter 3, verse 1. It's one of those transitionary statements, the ones we kind of throw over and we kind of go past. But it says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Can you say it with me a second time? Second time. Time. Isn't that awesome? God didn't say, okay, Jonah, I will save you, but just so you know, I got another guy working on Nineveh. You're out there. I'm gonna have to put you on the bench for a while. He didn't say that. He didn't say, Jonah, okay, cool. That's your you hear me. Um I'll I'll forgive you, throw up on the other uh, thing, but you gotta be a turkey farmer in Baron now. Sorry. Right? Ladies have been to Barron. Does it not stink over there? Huh? There's a nice odor coming across the street to the church. It's like, no, he didn't say that. He, said, he didn't say, well, you know, my spirit's in somebody else. He said, no, no, no. You're, I've got a second chance for you. The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time and said this Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and deliver the message I have given you. Early familiar to chapter one, right? It's the same commission that God has for him. It's exactly the same thing. God says, I see it all. I still need you. I still need you to go and do what I've asked you to do. Go to Nineveh. Is Nineveh the, the town that Nahum talks about, the prophet Nahum talks about in his book, says, woe to the bloody city, completely full of lies, pillaged. Her prey never departs. The noise of the whip, the noise of the rattling of the wheels, galloping horses and the bounding chariots, horsemen charging, get this, swords flashing, spears gleaming, many slain, a mass of corpses and countless dead bodies are in this city. It says they stumble over those dead bodies. There's a lot going on. It says harlots, sorcerers, charming ones, things going on that are just unspeakable things in that city. And... God says, go, a second time. So Jonah travels several hundred miles, and um, he gets there because he responds differently. He actually does what God asks him to do. He says, this time, verse 3 of chapter 3 says, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's commandments and went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. It's a big city. On the day Jonah Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, get this, Three days around the city. Jonah doesn't even, he doesn't say anything. He just walks into the city and he shouts, 40 days from now, Nineveh, you will be destroyed. How many of you ever see a guy at a city stand up on a box, you know, scream on the street corners going, Repent, you evil wicked nation. You ever that? Come on. Nobody's videotaping. Yeah. Does that make you change? Nah, usually not. Like, you know it's God when, like, your own heart goes, whoa, I I have to do something. Here's Jonah coming in. Uh, Not very pleasant. Um, He wasn't going to waste much time. He wasn't going to figure out his evangelism strategy for Nineveh. He wasn't going to, you know, exegete the community to figure out where the best neighborhood to start this little message. No, he walks in. He basically says, 40 days, you guys are all dead. Not a good message. Not a great delivery Probably should have done it a little bit differently. But what happens? Verse 5. Said says, The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Verse 6. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent his decree throughout the city. No one, not even, this is his decree, no one, not even the animals from the herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must, they must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Isn't it interesting? Nineveh's response is exactly opposite of what Jonah's original response was. Jonah disobeyed. Nineveh obeyed. They listened. They took the charge. They immediately postured themselves and their leadership of the city, of their hearts turning towards God. Isn't that amazing? And when God saw what they had done, how they had put a Stopped to their evil ways. He, God, changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Think about it. Friends, our actions, their actions, affected God's direction. God was going to destroy this city, but some people humbled themselves and turned from their ways, and God Scripture is pretty clear here. It's pretty clear in other places of him changing his direction. He turns. He was planning on stepping in. He was planning on destroying them. But he held back. God had compassion. God had pity on them. God's intention for those people had changed. The real question should be why, right? Why did God change his mind? I would simply say because Jonah obeyed and Nineveh responded. Jonah obeyed, Nineveh responded, Nineveh obeyed that message also, and they changed their posture. It was obedience. It was obedience to what God was saying to them. Now The problem with obedience is, especially as Christians, we equate obedience to, and if you don't equate this thing, you might now. You equate obedience to a root canal. It's like a necessary evil, right? Like you're in a lot of pain. You're not really, you shouldn't be there. So you're going to have to get this thing like drilled out. But that's not really fun either. That's obedience in our minds. We think, oh, okay, God, I guess. If this makes you happy, I'll do it. God, I, I, I don't like being in all this vomit, so if, if if I can get out of that, I guess I will obey you. Okay, God, I, I hope you understand how much this is costing me, right? How many, like, I hope you understand. It's like a spiritual root canal, right? Like, we know we're supposed to do it, but yeah, we rarely think obedience brings joy. But it does. Those that walk on the path of righteousness, experience joy, experience life. Obedience doesn't necessarily equal uh, easy. It's sometimes tough. But joy will come in the morning. Things will great will happen. And we can expect good things to happen. That's obedience. It's not just something I have to do just to kind of mark it off on my God list. Jonah wasn't expecting any results to come from his uh, uh, fairly, I, I would call it negligent uh, uh, evangelism. Like just kind of come in and go, hey you guys, you're all going to die. Um, see ya. Out. Peace. Out. I'm going to go sit on the mountaintop and watch it happen. He wasn't expecting these results of God turning his heart. We see that in our lives today, don't we? We're not expecting our brother to to get better. We're not expecting our friend to get off of the addictions that he's on. We're not expecting this marriage, but God, if you're going to show up and do something, okay, I guess. And then he does. We're like, what? It's joy. And then we want to go into obedience with the Lord. So when the Lord says, stop something, the Lord says, throw over that thing in your life. Go drown it in the sea. We think, oh, but with joy, we hurl that thing off. And what do we have? We have life. We have abundance if we go and do those things. And here we have Jonah kind of running with God for a while. He's not running away from God. He's, he's not necessarily running to God. He was doing that last year, but now he's kind of running with God. going, I guess I'm going to be your reluctant person to kind of help you out, God. And he's caught up in this really, truly great moment of God's redemption of a city. So if you're taking notes with us, uh, what are some things we can uh, learn from this chapter that hopefully we'll remember? I think the first thing is our actions do affect God. If you wake up in the morning and think, God's got this all covered, he does. But if you wake up with the attitude of like, "Eh, he can just do his thing and I'll do my thing. Um, God's already put all the chess pieces on the board for today. Like, that's, first of all, that's a super boring life. Like, if you're just kind of standing there waiting for life to happen, super boring. If we had to wake up in the morning and go, God, where do you have me? What can I do today? How can we affect this culture? How can we help this person over here? And And just maybe my prayers might change your heart. Have you thought of it that Your, are I mean I know who I am my prayers when I pray for somebody to be healed might actually do something when I pray for a nation it might actually change the heart of God for that nation when I pray for my leaders I don't curse them I pray for them that God might actually show up that's a pretty exciting endeavor that we get to be in as followers of Christ we get to petition God via his son because we have access to Him and we get to wake up in the morning. You guys look way too bored right now. Like, come on! This is fired up stuff. Your wood your wood is wet. I'm, it's wet. Like, dry it out, light it up, and let's get going because we get to interact with a God that absolutely loves and adores us. We get to engage in that. I know we're in the Northwoods. I know we're passive Lutherans and Catholics. I'm a recovering Catholic. I get it. I get it. But this endeavor that we even come to to connect with God, this isn't just some like little, oh, i got to do my church thing in a really hot building on a hot Sunday and watch a pastor sweat. No, we get to engage with God to petition him to go, Lord, send your, send your spirit. Lord, change our community. Help my brother heal Joni, touch a life. He might actually do it. And if you don't believe that, you're in a. a, I'm not saying you're not going to heaven or anything like that. I'm just saying you're living a really boring Christian life. Boring. We want to get engaged with what God, posture ourselves to Him, and, and see if He responds. James 4.8 says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. It says the verse later, two verses later, it says, James 4.10 says, Humble yourself before God, and he will lift you up. You do something, he does something. That's what you get throughout scripture. We get to petitioning God. Uh Abraham when Sodom and Gomorrah was like, hey, I'm going to go down and just crush that, that city. But God, what if there's 50 people? God actually has a kind of a conversation with himself. Kind of like, should I tell Abraham or not? God, no, 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 what if there's 50? Yeah. Sure. I won't destroy it then. I mean, this is in the Bible. Oh, whoa. What if there's, I think you went down to 20. Got all the way down to 10. God, what if what if we could what if I could find 10 people? God kept like. Turning the hearts of men can turn the hearts of God. And this is exciting stuff, right? Or it's super scary. You can choose. So that's why we ask wisely. That's why we do things. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Right? Lord, this is what I'm thinking, but can your will be done? That's what Jesus said. Hey, Lord, if this cup can pass for me, if I don't have to die, could, could we just bypass this whole You know, up on a cross thing? No, we need that one. Okay. Not my will, but but yours be done so we can have this conversation. Uh, Next thing is, uh, uh, I find in this thing is God uses, we've preached this message a million times here, so if you've heard this, uh, you've been around for a while, God uses really regular people. Ordinary messengers, right? How do I know that? I see it all throughout Scripture, and I get to stand up here every once in a while. This is a big deal. We don't take it lightly to to preach God's word and to share what's happening here. But I, I know who I am. And I know if I'm picking people, I'm probably not picking this guy. All right? But God chose to put me in this position. And so I step out. Why? Because God uses super ordinary people. I know that too because I know a lot of you. You're pretty ordinary, right? You're pretty regular people. God uses you. God uses Jonah. He gave him second chances, third chances, fourth chances. God uses flawed messengers to be his love, acceptance, and forgiveness to those that are in your spheres of influence. You've experienced love, acceptance, and forgiveness, and now you want to push that out and share that with others. Why is it good? Why why is it good that you're flawed? Because your story then matters. God uses you. You're like, oh, I know, Doug. Wow, that's a big deal. I know, Jackie. Wow. That's amazing that God's working you in that way. I know, Don. Man, that's, that's bizarre. It's mind-blowing. Why? Right? Because God uses us. God uses our lives. uses our experiences. Um, and he keeps giving us second, third, and fourth chances. God doesn't waste anything. Can you just say that to yourself? God doesn't waste anything. That's why scripture says he uses, he takes beauty from ashes. What do we do with ashes? Throw them away, discard them, get rid of them. There's nothing you and I can humanly do it with ashes. God brings out beauty from that. And you need to see yourself. You need to you need to see yourself as that. Yes, you need to get over your issues, right? You need to get over your anger. You need to get over your lust. You need to get over your greed. You need to get over um, selfishness. You need to get over all those things. You just can't go about life thinking, oh, God's going to continue to use me and I'm going to live this heinous life or things that I know he's speaking to me. To change, you got to deal with them. But God will use you. How many people are in the Bible? Anybody know? Uh, some people are really bored. Um, uh, there's around 3,000 people mentioned in the Bible. <clears> there's <throat> a lot of genealogies. A lot of th- 3,000 people you, uh, in the Bible, and how many of them were really good, outstanding, amazing people? <clears throat> Probably like one. Jesus. I can I'll give you Enoch if you wanted to go Enoch because he says all we know about him is he walked with God and then he was not. Okay, cool. That guy's that guy's legit. You know, hey maybe think of a few either. But it's it's they're, they're really normal people doing really stupid things and then being used by God. When Jesus called his disciples and they were just normal fishermen, tax collectors nefarious people in the community, um, just normal, everyday people. And he walks up to them, and they would have just heard messages from him up to that point. And they were kind of probably hanging around the fringe. And then he goes, hey, you want to follow me? And they said, yeah, yeah. I, I love those words you're sharing. Those are words of life. I want to follow you. And they didn't just say they want to follow him. They actually followed him. Yeah, Hey, tax collector guy, hey, you want to stop doing that business? You want to follow me? Yeah, yeah, this is a dead-end job. I'm going to follow you. And so these people followed Jesus for three years, right? That's roughly three years that we get in Scripture. And um, they were with Jesus each and every day. They hung out with this guy. All right? So this, I'm going to give some of you a little uh, a mulligan today. Um, uh, it's a mulligan because, because, you know, we come to church on Sunday. We might hang out with some other believers some other times. So we're kind of encouraged, but a lot of times we're just doing stuff. These guys were with Jesus three years. Were they perfect when Jesus said, hey, I'm going to die now. Now you you go into all the world and you do what I said. You preach this gospel. Were they perfect at that point? No. They still messed up. What does God do? He said, I'm going I'm to still use you. God can use you. Last thing from this uh, this passage here of chapter 3. If you hear nothing else, hear this. You need a word from the Lord. You need it. This whole story is hinged on. God saying, Jonah, I have a word for you that you know is from me. You can, you can, you can ignore it, but you still know it's from me. And I need you to go do it. We need to be people that have a word from the Lord. That's so why we say we want to go to the word of God to hear a word from God. We don't just read our Bible just to check off another thing for the day. We don't try to go through it and go, oh, it's, you know, let's just do our religious obligations. No, so we're going to go here and, uh, and Lord, I need a word from you. I need a Jonah word. Hopefully, not like that, because, Lord, I don't want to go to Crandon and yell at the street corner. No, I don't want to do that. Lord, I need a word from you that I can I, I know is from you. And that was Jonah. He had a proclamated proclamation word from God. <clears throat> when we come here on Sunday mornings to quote unquote connect with God, and you hear us say that a lot. Like, that's why we're here. It isn't, again, just do some religious obligations. I, I, religious obligations are, are, are done. They're dead. We want to come and connect with a living God. And we want you, as you leave here, to go, this is my word from God for the week. So when I stand up here and we stand up here and share a message, you know, this isn't, we do not ever take this lightly. It might seem like we're flamboyant or whatever, like we're having, I have super fun, like this, I, this is, I'm having the time of my life even right now as I can't even see any of you because my glasses are completely fogged over and sweat all over them. But I'm having the time of my life. Why? Because this is what God created me for, is to, is to, to speak and to encourage people to, to get a word from God in their lives. And a word might be, get your life in order. A word might be, go out and talk to somebody. Your word might be, uh, quit your job. Your word might be, get into his word. Your word might be this morning, as you leave this morning, you know without a shadow of a doubt, you got to get away with Jesus. And it might be that, but you need a word from God. Otherwise, you're just coming here to a really hot building, staring at the back of somebody. and um, So don't leave. Uh, uh, old timers uh, say, old timers like Barb age. Old timers like you're 55 um, plus a few. You know, they would say the words like, "Hey, we're gonna tarry. We're gonna tarry with the Lord. We're gonna we're gonna be with the Lord. Why? We didn't want to leave until we knew there was a word from God in our lives, and we want that." We want to get into His Word. We want a diet of His of the, the Bible. We want Scripture. We don't just words floating out there. All these words floating out there got to line up with what's in your your Scripture, your your Bible. We want to follow it? When We look at the Scripture. We know, hey, this is this shows us Jesus. That's so why we want to push people. Hey, get to know that. Get to know your Bible. Um, a lot of people don't read their Bible. Uh, a Barna study uh, said there's forty one percent. Of people in America have read their Bible zero times this year. I don't know what the year was um, on this. I think it was a couple years ago. 41%. A survey in Britain shows 30% of parents didn't know Adam and Eve, David and Goliath, or the Good Samaritan were. Didn't know they were in the Bible. Uh, they actually, 27% of people thought Superman might be a biblical story. I know there's some people in here that would just say that just to skew the survey, but a lot, some people just literally don't know. That's why we want to come to the Word of God, to hear a word from God. This is a transformational word. We want to surround ourselves <clears throat> and get into the Word on a Sunday morning, but also with ourselves and our friends and our family. The Bible help us look beyond ourselves. You'll see, man, this, this world isn't about me, right? Greatest thing when i i think reading your bible that's why i recommend every you know, every once in a while i've never I've, i haven't done it a lot so i'm a pastor i'm recommending something that i haven't done a ton but reading the bible through in one year like do that every once in a while get yourself a chronological bible that you know puts things in the in the order that it happens not the order that it was put together i know that's that's mind blowing to some of us like the bible didn't happen in the order that we have it here that's why it's never good necessarily your first time to read the bible all the way through that way cuz it's like oh what's going on uh, but if you read it in chronological, and there's some that are set up that way, that when you read in Chronicles, it'll link it with what's in Kings, and then it'll go, oh, this is what was happening in, in Israel at that time, or this is why David uh, wrote this psalm that was just depressing. You're like, oh, it's because he just killed somebody. You know, you'll get the links then. It'll, it'll, it brings it alive. gives you this overarching story of the scripture of, of redemption and hope. And when we get into the Bible and we hear words from God, we, we, we focus in on what He's about. We see the world differently. We see the things around us uh, differently. Colossians 3 says, Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. We want to fill ourselves. We see a different perspective when we, when we get ourselves and we hear a word from God. We can go, oh, that's that's just not the way it is. Well, no, no, there's lots of chaos in the world. Yes, there is, but that's not the way it is. But well, there's this, yeah, but that's that's not the end of the story. Well, that person's here. Yeah, I know that person's there, but I believe in a God that believes in redemption and they could be here. Well, don't you see the bad? Yeah, I see bad, but I also see that we can turn our hearts towards good. Why? Because of this story that we see In the scripture. Why? Because I I wake up in the morning, I get a word from God to say, Man, the best is yet to come. The good things are ahead. And we're going to keep moving forward in what God has for me to do, our church to do, our community. Yes, is the world falling apart? Absolutely. I watched like 20 minutes of Fox the other day with my parents when I was hanging out with them a couple weeks ago, and I go, Oh, this is why people are depressed. CNN, ESPN, HGTV. If you get your worldview from HGTV, friends, I'll rip on that. I always rip on Fox and CNN. I'll rip on the ladies stuff, which is mine too. I love it. I'm a, that's the only reason why I get hotel rooms is to watch HGTV. Um, I love it. But if you, get, if you wrap your mind around that, what's your world look like? It's got to be perfect, right? Everything's got to be lined up. And it all gets wrapped up in a half hour. Right? If you feed yourself that kind of stuff, you will start to believe it. If you feed yourself from the word of God, that's why Jonah, hey, Jonah, I need you to go do this. He finally believed it and did it. And the world was different because of it. We want to go to the word of God to hear a word of a word from God. All right? I think I'm through my second shirt. I'm wet, and so we'll be done. Let's stand and pray, and as we do, if your uh, ushers want to come forward and people are going to receive, And I'm going to say a prayer, and then I have a scripture to, to read over us today as, as, we, as we leave. So Jesus, Son of God, Savior of our life, Lord, your grace is amazing in our lives. There's rarely a day goes by that I'm like, oh, I need it. There's rarely a day that goes by that I don't smell a little bit of the, the fish vomit on my shoulder. Because it's messy. i work worked through the issues in my own life, and as we all do, Lord, let your grace be sufficient enough for us as your church. Lord, today some, some need to call out upon the name of the Lord to be saved. They're, they're stuck. They're in the belly of a whale. Lord, today their word from you is is to just cry out, Lord, save me. Lord, you are the Son of God. I will turn my my eyes back towards you as Jonah prayed in in the fish. Lord, that's some today. They're going to turn from. Lord, continue to pray for those that are throwing Jonah's overboard. Lord, that they would experience the freedom and health that comes when they get rid of their hurts and habits and hang-ups in their life. Lord, ultimately, as a church, Lord, we want to continue to hear a word from you. We want direction like you gave Jonah. Lord, I would personally rather not go into any city and yell about how they're going to hell. But Lord, if that's what you want me to do, here am I. Send me. Lord, send us out into our community to be your grace, your love, your acceptance, Lord, and your forgiveness. To those that are all around us. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Word from Colossians 3. If you would accept this as a charge today, a benediction today for you as you, you go, you can stay standing because you're going to just leave. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Be thankful, friends. Colossians 3.16 Let the message about Christ and all of its richness fill your life. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom He gives. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God with your thankful heart. Be thankful, friends. Verse 17. And whatever you do, whatever you say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Whatever you do this week, do it in the name of Jesus. All right? We'll see you next week. Love you. God bless. Have a good week.